Church Bible. It's Luke 11, verses 5 to 10. Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me, the door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed, I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Thank you, Esther. So there, Jesus is teaching a principle. Part of that principle is that we don't just ask once, but we continue asking until we get the answer. But it's interesting, it doesn't happen so often, but sometimes we also get an immediate answer to prayer. And I thought, I've got some testimonies, but I think after 20 years, probably most of you have heard my testimonies one time or another. So I thought it would be really good to share some. So Manuel, do you want to share a a short story on that that happened to you? Yeah, um, prayer is something really, really wonderful. And uh, it requires different things. Obviously, it requires God, because he's the the one who answered the prayer. But requires something of you as well in in many different ways. And uh, this was the time I was uh, in France. I'd been a Christian probably for a year or two. And uh, I was in my gap year in France. And uh, so I was just dedicated to study. Uh, And my money was all my savings. And then I said, well, it would be good to have a little bit of an extra income. So... We went and we talked to a friend, and we said, if there is anything, please uh, let us know. We will be happy to, to help, to do something, because I was with my brother. And uh, it happened, that was two weeks before, and then one day, I'm starting to pray, and I say, okay, God, I'm going to do something here, and I'm going to start praying, because they say that if you ask, you will get. So let's find out. So God, please help me. I need extra income. I need a little bit of money. Uh, so could you please help me finding a job? And as I find a job, and I will be my income, Lord, I believe that you said as well in your word that you have to tithe. So I will tithe accordingly to that job. And at the minute that I finished saying that, my, my mobile phone rang. And it was someone saying, we have a job for you. Do you want to move some furniture for me, please? And I was just like, well, what? This really works? <laughs> it's just like the hotline to heaven. You just have an answer immediately. And uh, we went, uh, we started moving some furniture and uh, we did the job. It was uh, 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 because they have a fair and it was a week fair. So they were coming on Friday to set up and then they call us the following Saturday to take everything down. So I have two jobs in, in, in one. So it, w- it was fantastic. And uh, they were very happy and they said, if we come back to town, we will ask you again because you are fantastic. So thank you very much. And I received my money. Then I have to go to church and I have to do my part of the bargain because I said to God, God, I said that I will give you money. 
yeah, I give you my tithe over this money. And I have an argument with God because I said, but God, I work hard for this. I did the job. And then I have to do it. And ever since, I learned that when you ask God, God will answer your prayer, but you have to do your part as well. It's not that you will wait just for a magic wand to come and suddenly do something. You have to stand on your prayers and believe that God will come up. Uh, I was thinking back um, to oh, about 25 years ago now because there are certain things that just stick in your, in your memory. And um, we had to move from Eastbourne to Brighton and the circumstances were, were quite difficult. So we were already a little bit stressed and felt a little bit pressured by the whole situation. And uh, on this particular day, Glenn had one day off. We knew they had one day to go over there and find some accommodation. So we bundled the kids in the car, and off we went. And we were saying, we're going to get our new house. And they're going, yeah, we're going to get our new house. And um, we went to Brighton. And as you know, it's, parking is a nightmare. So we did all of that. And then we went into the first estate agent. And when we said how, how much our, bud our budget was, um, they just laughed, quite frankly. They just laughed. You know, they were like, you know this is the city. And we were like, yeah, but you know, this is all we can afford. So they said they had nothing. We went to the next one. They said they had nothing. We went to the next one. They said they had nothing. And basically, we were almost being laughed out of town. And I remember we got back into the car, and it was getting late, and the kids were getting hungry. And we were sitting in the car, and um, I just said to them, well, you know, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And we decided to pray, because that was the only thing that we felt that we could do. So we prayed, we prayed out loud, and the kids prayed in the back, um, Lord, please, please give us our new house. And um, we found one more estate agent. We said, right, this is the last one, and we'll go in and check out. So uh, we went in, went through the, the rigmarole of this is how much money we've got. And she just looked and said, well, I, I don't really think we have anything. But um, I said, well, could you just have a look? So she started having a look, and it's like, no, no, no. And then she went, oh, 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 I've never seen this one before. I didn't even know this one was on our books. And she came up with the perfect house for us. It was a bungalow. It was on top of Hollingbury. It was one of the last uh, rows of bungalows up on the, on the top there. It was perfect for Glenn getting to work to Eastbourne every day. It was absolutely perfect, and it was our price so we were like that's amazing so we were praising God all the way home but I thought I'd just add a little thing onto this as I was thinking about it sometimes when God moves and God does something it's like somebody else doesn't like it and he just wants to spoil it for you and you've got to be aware of that um, we moved into that bungalow and we were so excited and the first night we went to go to bed and there was this noise. It sounded like a thousand demons squealing and screaming. It was just awful. And uh, it was the wind just blowing around, but we looked at each other and we were just like, oh, I can't, I said, I can't go to sleep. I can't. And I looked at Glenn, I said, I can't live here. I can't live here. And the disappointment was just so great. Anyway, same thing happened the second night. And we were like, oh, this is just terrible. And it's a bit like when the Israelites, you know, uh, were, were move, moved out of 
out of Egypt. And they turned around and said, why did you bring us here? And it was almost like that. Why did you bring us here? God, we thought this was the perfect place. Anyway, on the second night, um, it started again. And I went to bed. And I said, God, I can't do this. And I walked over to the, <laughs> to the secondary glazing. And I saw that it was open a tiny little bit. And I pushed it. And the noise stopped. <laughs> um, I was thinking, whenever, whenever I get asked questions like this, I always have to go back years and years and years. And, um, and then I was like, I was sat there Friday morning and I went, I've got one. Something happened this week, um, which was really exciting. And um, the time that I, I find to be able to sort of stop and pray is normally when I'm in a car. Because when I'm in the car, on my own, I can just turn the radio off. I don't need to be distracted by anything. And I can just pray. And otherwise, I've got people around me. I want to have conversations. I want to do X, Y, and Z. And I find it really difficult just to, just to put that time aside. So Thursday evening, um, Katie's already left to go to youth. Um, I, know, I know we've got a crazy night ahead of us. Could you just raise your hand if you were there Thursday night? Keep your hand up if you had a good time Thursday night. Brilliant. It was, it was fantastic. Um, Peter didn't have a good time Thursday night. He, he, had his, he left to put his hand down. God. And you were on the winning team. What's that all about? Um, so we had a great night Thursday. We had our youth, um, inter well, we had our interconnect games competition, and it was fantastic. And on my way here, I was in the car, and I went, I just need to make sure that I stop and I pray about the evening. Because when you do something like that, so much can go wrong. So much can go wrong. Things don't go to plan. You lose things. Um, you find out that things aren't going to work the way you expected them to and, and all of these other things. And on my way, I was like, God, just let your will be done this evening. Um, don't let any plans of the enemy thwart this. Like, let them be thwarted. Um, just let your will happen in this place. And, and you start to, when you do things like that, you start to question uh, your own vision for things, what it is that you're trying to achieve, that God's put on your heart to do. And, and it was almost like, a, God, just confirm for me that this is the right thing. And, and I got here, and everyone had already started putting everything together. It was brilliant. And we got to the end of the evening, or I think I was about partway through the evening, and I went to Kathy, and I went, this is exactly what it's meant to be. And, and you could just see that God had gone, Eddie, this is it. Like, this is the right thing. This is good. And, um, and God was all over it that evening. And at the end of the evening, all I could do in my car on the way home was pray again and go, God, thank you. Thank you for confirming things. Thank you for, for letting it run smoothly, for not letting anything get in the way. Um, and that was like a massive answer to prayer. Just Thursday, prayer in my car, got here, answered in an amazing way. Brilliant. So let me ask you all a question as we're all here. Um, and you've got to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Does God always answer your prayers immediately? No. There is often a delay, isn't there? And that's what I want to look at now, because Jesus taught on that, obviously. We've looked at that. Thank you, guys. You might, might sit down. But it's great to hear stories of prayers that are answered very quickly. So you, when, you, when you pray, always have an expectation that God could answer that prayer just like that. But sometimes there's a delay. Um, 
And sometimes it's a delay for different reasons, and I'll talk about those in a minute. But I was reading of a saint from the 1500. Her name was Teresa. And she, she said this, she wrote this down. And I thought, this is so true when it comes to prayer. She wrote, you pay God a great compliment by asking great things of him. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking, how big are our prayers? Because sometimes we don't seem to get an answer to prayer, do we, do we stop praying? Do we feel despondent? Or do we carry on believing and asking God for great and big things and not give up? You know, I, I, I think it honours God to ask God for big things in your life and situations and circumstances. You know, go to the throne room of God in prayer and seek God and ask God. And if you need a breakthrough in your life, if you need something to change, pray big prayers. You know, somehow in our small thinking, we think, oh, well, if we ask God a little prayer, if we just ask God for a little prayer, he's probably more able to do it. That's what we're thinking, really. But, you know, God who created the heavens and the earth, you know, whether it's small or big, it's not a problem for God. He can answer any prayer. So I want to look in a second, another scripture. It's in Luke again, so if you've already turned to Luke, you can go there. I haven't got the church page number, but I'm going to read it anyway. Luke chapter 18, and it's verse 1. Now again, this is in the Gospel of Luke. So Jesus is clearly trying to teach people something about prayer. So this is the second story, the second parable, you could say, that Jesus gives about prayer. And it's in chapter 18, verse 1. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. And he goes on to this parable. There was a judge in a certain city. He said, who neither, as Jesus said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. You've got to understand as a widow, they were treated badly in the society of that day. They weren't listened to, they weren't treated very nicely. And so, um, you know, he, he, he ignored her many times. So she says, you know, give me justice. It says, the judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said, to, he said finally he said, um, I don't fear God or care about people. He's not a very nice character, this judge, all right? The opposite of God. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out with her constant requests. So the story of this widow keeps on going to the judge, uh, who's not a nice judge, all right? He's not a kind judge. Keep on, keeps on asking, give me justice, give me justice. <coughs> he keeps on pushing away, but finally she wears him out and he says, do you know what? I don't fear men, I don't fear God, but I'm just going to answer uh, this request this woman's got. Then Jesus says this, then the Lord said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? So Jesus is there showing, in contrast to the unjust judge, that we, with Father God, we need to keep asking. And he will answer. Sometimes he will answer 
quickly, sometimes in his perfect timing, but he will answer. He's not like the unjust judge. So Jesus clearly in those two parables is teaching us a principle about continuing to ask God. There was this false teaching that used to go around in the churches once that you only need to ask God once in prayer and that's enough, which completely contradicts the teachings of Jesus that we continue. I think what it does actually in many respects it humbles us because we know the answer that we have can only come from God. It can only come from Jesus. It can't come from our manipulation. It can't come from our planning. We know Jesus is the answer. I think maybe this Saint Teresa, that's why she understood that we honor God with big prayers because we can't, we can't manipulate or plan uh, to answer those big prayers. Only God can answer those big prayers because they're impossible to us. And it's about honoring God. In Matthew chapter 7, let me quickly turn to this now. Matthew chapter 7. Again, the, Jesus is teaching this principle. Listen to this in Ma Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks on the door, it will be opened. You parents, talking to parents, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Like I said, I think Jesus is making a point. You know? But the question then is, okay, well, you may, you may be thinking this. Um, well, I've prayed certain prayers, and they don't seem to have been answered, and I've waited, and uh, I've prayed, but nothing. Why do sometimes we, we pray prayers that don't seem to get answered? Someone once said, well, all our prayers are answered. It's just that some prayers, uh, the answer is no. <laughs> because God knows what's best for us. You know, I remember, and I probably, I don't know, Chris and Kirsten, I don't know why little babies, toddlers, always want to go for plugs. Have you noticed that? If you've had little children, they get drawn to plugs. And, um, you know, I'm having to say to Daniel when he was little, no Daniel, no Daniel, no Daniel, every time he crawled towards a plug. Because I knew how dangerous that plug was if he put his fingers in or touched it. Or, so sometimes we don't understand why we get a no, but we do. But it's for a good reason. And that's where we honor and we trust God and think, you know what? I, ha I don't have the answer to this, but I'm just going to trust God. But there are some hindrances to prayer, and which, I, again, I want to look at in a, a minute. In James chapter 4, verse 3, he says this, talking of prayer. And even when you ask, you don't get it, because your motives are wrong. So one of, one of the hindrances to our prayer life can be that we're asking for the wrong reasons. We're asking out of wrong motives, it says. James is saying, if you, if you pray, but your motives or your heart is wrong, then don't necessarily expect God to answer that prayer. And sometimes God won't answer a prayer for us because he knows our heart and motives is wrong and he's waiting for us to change our heart, to change our motives and then we'll get the answers to prayer that we need. Now, if you're praying for someone that's sick, then you can believe God, that's the heart of God. If you're, if you're praying for someone that 
is going through a difficult situation, then you can believe God's heard your prayer. Whether he answers it immediately or not, that's in the sovereignty of God. But we do believe that God hears our prayers. But if our motives are wrong, we're certainly not going to get the answer we want. Thinking of situations that may happen. You may have somebody at work or a colleague or even a relative that is really unkind to you and really horrible to you. And so you pray to God and you say, God, will you deal with them? God, will you get rid of them? God, will you move them away? God, will you do that? I don't think God's always going to answer that prayer. Shall I tell you why? The second reason why your prayers are sometimes not answered is because of selfishness. Because it could be a selfish prayer. What about asking God to, God, I don't know what they're going through, the way they're treating me, they've obviously got things in their life. Will you bring them peace, God? Will you deal with the pain in their own hearts and the issues that are going on? And if they're deceived by the enemy, Lord, will you set them free? Rather than just getting them out of the way, thinking about the other person rather than yourself. It's interesting if you listen to prayers, very often when people pray, it's 90% about themselves and the rest of it's for this little bit here and this little bit here. But very often prayers are just about ourselves. And that's not wrong because we are to ask for things and receive things from God. But our prayers, if we're not careful, can be so selfish. So selfish. We can ask for things that are going to make us feel good. You can ask for a bigger car and a bigger house. Are those things necessarily wrong? Not really in them sense, in, the, in, in the, the self, it's just material, it's bricks and mortar or metal, nothing specifically wrong with that. But if you're asking out of a selfish motive, what do I mean? Oh, I want to look good. Oh, I want to impress people with this new big house. I want to do this. What, what is it? It's I, I, I. When you pray the eyes, be very careful you're not praying a selfish prayer. Jesus said, didn't he, about the, what's the second greatest commandment? To love our neighbours, to love those, um, you know, as we love ourselves, to love others. Love your neighbour as yourself. Sometimes that means putting other people before you in prayer. Actually saying to God, God, they're being really horrible to me. They're being really unkind to me. They've done really horrible things to me, God, but God, will you bless them? God, will you keep them safe? God, will you lead them down the right path. Caring about people that don't care about you. What did Jesus say? To love our enemies, to turn the other cheek when someone hits you on that side. To love those who hate you and persecute you. I mean, I was talking to Manuel in the car. One of the greatest things, I think, signs of that is Jesus on the cross. As he's just, his life is just fading away and they're mocking him, they've crucified him and whipped him, they're spitting him. What does he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Thinking of others. Thinking of others. If we could say in our prayer life that we're going to pray 90% for others and 10% for ourselves, what a difference that would make in our prayer lives. What a difference that would make if our prayers weren't selfish and self-motivated, but were for others as well. Do you know someone that's really going through difficult times at the moment? Do you know someone that's really struggling? Maybe someone that you think of as an enemy. Well, why don't you ask that God bless them? Why don't you ask for God to do something in their lives that will change their life for the better? And do you know in that, in that focusing on others, you might just find your prayers are answered a lot more quickly.
But of course, there may be other reasons our prayers are not answered quickly or never seem to be answered. What could they be? What could they, what, what reasons would we have for not having our prayers answered? Well, like I talked about earlier on, it's God's timing very often. Because we live in the microwave age of everything now, we don't understand the timing of God, the sovereignty of God, that God has everything planned out. He knows. He knows when the time is right and what's right and what's wrong. He knows. He understands. I think it was on the Alpha course I heard someone describe, you know, um, God's plans. It's a bit like someone that's doing embroidery, you know. And if you look on the reverse, it's a complete mess. Everything going everywhere. But when you turn it over, there's a beautiful picture. You see, sometimes our life feels like a mess. We don't seem to be God answering certain prayers and we don't understand why. But what you don't understand is there's a plan. There's a plan. I was listening to um, um, an amazing man of God the other day who, who talked about that um, he, he had people, he was a pastor, and he had people come up to him uh, and had suffered with depression and um, really feeling down and depressed and he wasn't talking about clinical depression he was just talking where their mind had taken them and this person had said pastor don't you ever get depressed and he said no he says because I totally trust God I put my trust totally in him I, I though the circumstances and the situations may not be easy I put my trust totally in him so it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if things go wrong or right because I know that God has it in hand Romans 8.28 says that you know, for those that are in him, everything works out for good. Am I fully in that place of revelation? No, I still have those moments when I, I allow my thoughts to take, take precedence and I allow my thoughts to, like all of us. But if we can walk into a deeper revelation like that pastor had and understand that when we pray, whether God answers how we think he should answer or not, He's got it all in control. He's got it all in control. Trusting God's timing is key. And last thing I want to leave, leave you with on this is that it's very important that we understand that God opposes the proud. Let me read you the full, full scripture. He says, James 4, 6, God opposes the proud but favours the humble. Opposes the proud but favours the humble. In relation to prayer, if we come full of pride, God hates pride. It says God hinders pride. But if we come to prayer with pride in our hearts, Jesus tells another story. Uh, this is Glenn's paraphrase. But basically, he, he's, he's talking about people that are praying. And he, he talks about this man who's a religious man who comes to a time of prayer and he's praying, and he's telling God what a wonderful, righteous man he is, that he tithes, and he obeys all the laws, and he does that, and he says to God, oh, what a wonderful man I am. And then this other person comes along and says, oh, God, I'm a sinner. God, I've done terrible things in your sight. I, I, I deserve, Lord, punishment, Lord, but I call on your mercy. Only you can answer my prayer. And Jesus said, what man do you think God listens to? The person is humble and recognises that we're only here by the grace of God and that we all, if we're not careful, can so easily 
let pride come in and hinder the answer that God wants to give to us. Not that we think badly of ourselves, I'm made in the image of God. I, I'm created by God. I know that, you know, when I look at all of us, I know that we're made in the image of God. God loves us. God so loved us, he sent his only begotten son to die for us. I know that. But pride comes in. You see, Adam and Eve fell, fell for a lie because pride came in. Because Satan said to them, eat of this fruit and you will be just like God, knowing good from evil. Pride came in. It says of the fall of Satan, he's talked about, I will be just like God. Pride is a terrible thing. But if we humble ourselves before God, recognizing it's God that answers our prayers, if we're humble, we come to God not with pride of how great we are, but how great he is. Then maybe we'll see some more of our prayers answered. A lot of it's to do with our own heart. We can be so selfish as human beings so many times. But when we give our heart to God, we realize that God loves a humble and contrite heart. That's what the Bible says. Then maybe our prayers, like I said, would be answered. Maybe a bit more. So selfishness, pride, those things get in the way. The timing of God... Sometimes it's not our time and it's his time and we don't understand, but God's got a bigger picture. He knows what's going on. But the key to it all, key to all of this, is pray anyway. Because the Bible says, if you don't ask, you don't receive. If you don't ask, you don't receive. So ask God. I'll be really, can I be really honest with you about something now? I'm just going to be really honest and um, say this to you. Do you know our least attended meeting in the church is our prayer meeting on a Friday night? And it saddens me because, and, and, you know, obviously people have reasons, some people work and family, and I understand that. But I think we've forgotten about the power of prayer, not only to change, and change, change our lives, but change, change other lives. And I'm just going to say, I'm not going to be really, okay, <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. I do sometimes wonder if it's, not attended well because there's selfishness there in our hearts because we think oh I'm tired oh I've done this I've done that oh I don't want to go to a prayer meeting oh no I just want to sit and watch the TV because actually to be honest your prayers could change someone's life do you understand what I'm saying your prayers can make a massive difference and yet sometimes we choose our own comfort over the comfort of others sometimes we want what we want and we don't think about what others want so I'm, please don't hear me right, I'm not having a go at anybody or anything like that. But I do wonder sometimes whether we need to get before God and ask God, examine our own hearts and our own motives for the things that we do and say, God, what is the motive of my heart? When I pray and I ask you for things, God, God, is it, am I doing it out of a pure heart? There's a scripture that I've quoted a few times in the past where the, the psalmist writes, who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Talking about the presence of God in prayer. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who can stand in the holy place? And then he answers, those with clean hands and a pure heart. Those with clean hands and a pure heart.
So maybe this message is more of a message. It's not a rah-rah message about prayer. I'm not trying to just motivate you to pray. I'm saying to you, uh, this is a message of self-reflection, I think, for all of us, of where we are with God in our prayer life. Are we putting others before ourselves? Are we seeking things that will be a blessing to others or just things that will make us feel good? Questions to ask. So let me pray as we end this today. But please take this time now and maybe reflect on your prayer life and where you are. And maybe you'll start seeing some more instant answers to prayer and prayers that are answered down the road. So let's just close our eyes now. Father, we thank you, God. You do answer our prayers, maybe not always when we expect them or want them, but you do answer. We thank you for those testimonies of prayers that are answered very quickly. But Father, I pray in this coming week, will you speak to each one of us in our hearts? Will you speak to each one of us, Lord, where we are in our walk with you and in our prayer life? Lord, and if we need to learn to pray, as the disciples asked Jesus that he would teach them to pray, teach us to pray, Lord. Lord, with a right heart and a right mind, with right motives. Lord, that we would go deeper with you in prayer. And Lord, we would not only pray to you, but we would hear your voice. As Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And we commit this all to you in the name of Jesus. And everybody in the house said, Amen.